Hi, and thanks for tuning into the Bacon Warrior Podcast. On today's episode, we talked about the aftermath of the Big Ten's decision to postpone football, MSU's decision to move classes online only in the fall semester, and I gave a Shark Tank recommendation before we head on Kevin Wingington to talk about his visit to MSU and what he thought of East Lansing. Here's Spartan Dog 97. Thanks, Spartan Dog 97. When I'm not out on Lake Cumberland murdering college football, I'm Spartan Dog 97. I'm joined by the boys. How are we doing? Doing pretty Excellent. good. Excellent. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Brett. No, no problem. Just, <laughs> I mean, things are going excellent. I mean, I'm playing golf tomorrow, so I'm committing premeditated murder of spring football. <laughs> Just doing my part. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Kevin Warren saw Spartan Dog out on vacation and canceled Big Ten football. I had that scoop last <laughs> week on the pod. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, I'm back. Um, it was a it was a refreshing weekend. I drank a ungodly amount of white claws uh funny story the night before we were supposed to leave we stayed we stayed down there like in the lake cumberland area and the the people on the trip and i got together and we bought 260 dollars worth of booze holy shit and on the second day we had to go back and get another 250 (laughs) oh my god we, it was, it was not good. I mean, I we were just ripping through through liquor, but it was fun. Um, I had fun. I had fun murdering football for you all. Yeah. And you know, it's a good thing nothing happened in the week I was gone. You know, everything no. was pretty quiet on the home front. Uh, you know, no need for an emergency podcast where I was trying to figure out how to get my audio working while I was shit face wasted on a houseboat. So, yeah. You looked so. <laughs> you looked angry, but like you're just sitting there yammering at your phone. I'm like, uh, I don't. I'm not doing anything, man. <laughs> so yeah, big shout out to uh, Carter and Zangio for holding down the fort. Yep. On uh, our emergency episode. So here's what we got to talk about today. Um, First and foremost, this literally just happened 20 minutes before we started recording. Uh, MSU is transitioning to all online classes in the fall semester. So they're saying if you live in a dorm, don't. if you're planning on living in a dorm this year, don't come. And if you're living off campus, stay home. Try to stay home if that's safer for you. Now, as someone who is who has lived off campus and has dealt with the major property leasing companies i would say this good fucking luck (laughs) (laughs) i i I would love to be a fly on the wall when stanley tries to call dtn and crmc and be like hey you know those shithole houses you guys own on MAC that you haven't renovated in 15 years and that a bunch of people have paid for 20, 30 times over over the past, you know, 30 years since the house was built and you bought them? Can you just, like, not charge them for three months? And then we'll see where we're at in January? I would love to be there to hear what DTN and CRMC say to him. 
you know what? That would be an absolute, I would, they should auction off some type of like, you could be the fly on the wall on that call. Just put it up for charity. And I'm sure whatever it raises might actually cover the costs that the students would incur because I like I've dealt with DTN in the past. They're one of the main leasing companies and even trying to get like a replacement key, you would think you're asking for the Taj Mahal to be built on some part of the campus. Like it's ridiculous. They're, I, they're the worst. So good luck kids. Yeah. That's what, you know, my brother is my brother. I don't know if he's still planning on, but he's supposed to move in this Saturday to his apartment. I don't know if that's still the plan right now. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what my parents are planning, but I mean, is is he going to work while he's on, in school or no? Uh, no, that wasn't the plan. Okay. But you know, rent's still due on the first, so I don't know. <laughs> you know, like no, 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 what? No, no. I'm what gonna, would you guys do? I'd move in. I would move in too. I'd I'd move in. Go, you know, obviously online, like find a job to pay the rent. Yeah, I'm not gonna fucking. I'm not gonna fucking. Sit, I'm not going to fucking pay for a place I'm not living in. Nope. Yeah. Cause you're not getting out of that three month lease or the beginning of the lease. No. If you're not living there. Unless there's federal legislation that forces these management companies, you know, this isn't a problem that's unique to MSU. There are housing conglomerates all over the country who operate these, who are basically fucking slumlords if we're being honest. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's putting it nicely too. Yeah, you know these pe- these slum lords who operate these shithole college houses that people move into every year and pay six hundred dollars a month to fucking live in a shithole, and you think they're gonna go? Oh, that's okay. Yeah, we know COVID's bad. We're gonna cancel rent. Don't worry about it, sweethearts. Just stay home. Stay safe. Make sure you wear a mask. <laughs> They'd rather be bringing in some type of ambulance to wheel you out. Yeah. And not let you get off with them not paying rent. Exactly. If you died, they would be charging your estate. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, they'd be at the funeral trying to like look in your pockets. Also, the language of President Stanley's email makes it sound like they're saying, hey, like, if you can stay home, you should, you know, from the dorms, like, hey, if you if you're living in a dorm this year, you should you should stay home if you want. Versus, hey, we're giving you a refund, stay the fuck home. Yeah, it was interesting. Like, that's a good point. The the wording is very interesting. It's very open ended, which I mean, I, I don't really know how to take that. I mean, whatever, like, I feel really bad for the incoming freshmen. That's who mainly this is going to impact. Um, I think more so it's going to be potentially international students that was aimed towards. Um, I don't know. I mean, if I was a freshman, I would definitely not be going to the dorms right now. No, and that's the thing. Like, I'm. Are they going to offer refunds? Like, I wonder. That's this. It was inevitable. You know, this this moving online all for the fall, I think, you know, based on what we saw earlier this week with North Carolina and then earlier today, Notre Dame came out and they're 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 skyrocketing. I mean, they have a fifteen percent positive rate, which is massive. And you know, I think it's inevitable that school that it's just gonna happen to all these schools 
But yeah, Alabama. They'll play week one. Don't worry about it. Oh yeah, the what two and a half weeks? Yeah. Okay. Whatever you say, man. Uh in other news, uh we're gonna have an Iger Abraham two point on our hands. Uh this guy There's been a material change. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> Sir Yacht, who is a TikToker? It's not really clear based on based on what he does. He hosted pod called the yacht club pod and boy does he look like he belongs to a yacht club (laughs) (laughs) oh with the with the master's hat yeah like he vacations in the hamptons every my god he looks like a spike lee antagonist (laughs) (laughs) chris Chris c just turned off the pod yeah he kind of looks like you a little bit sorry not gonna watch You're closet rich. This guy is front porch rich. Yeah, he's money bags rich. <laughs> oh, he, this is trust fund rich. This fucking guy. So he tweeted um, yesterday, <clears throat> in a shocking turn of events, unless there is a drastic outbreak of cases in the next few days, the big will resume their college football season this fall, per source. Expect an announcement later this week that the Big Ted will be playing again. <laughs> so I would love to see this guy what happens when this guy goes gets is wrong I would love to see what happens when the weekend comes and goes, and the Big Ten hasn't announced yet what happens to this guy. Because he was talked about on part of my take yesterday. He mm-hmm. was talked about. He's locked on. He, yeah, he was Pat talked McAfee. about on locked on, Pat yeah. McAfee. Uh, he was just, he just went on a radio station in Nebraska. Oh, God. When this guy turns out to be wrong. It is going to be glorious. Do you think he'll delete his account within like the first couple hours? Or do you think he's going to just milk this? Oh, he'll milk it. He'll milk it for sure. He'll, he'll say material change. He's going to pull the material change and he's going to try to roll this into some kind of stupid ass clout. He's going to release a t-shirt. He's going to release a merch line. He's going to do all of it. He, he's going to do what Ayer Abraham should have done and just lean into the skit. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This it's just incredible to see him like he's so confident in his I wonder what his fucking source is, it's probably his head. Because it's just hilarious how no credited substantiated reporter is is moving with this at all or even going, you know, you might have something here like, you know, if Graham Couch retweeted him and said I'm hearing the same thing, then your ears start to peak up a little bit, but <laughs> this this guy's just oh man, this guy's fucking great. Like it's just, every day, it's something new. I respect it so much because he's just going down with the ship. He's gonna just ride this thing. He's hey, good for him. But yeah, have you noticed like all these people that keep saying, "Oh, the Big Ten, they might come back," or "You got to sign this petition. It's actually gonna work." They're all from one state. It's all Ohio. <laughs> like. <laughs> there's a reason for this. 
Yeah, we're gonna, yeah. Petitions work all the time, man. Like, oh, yeah. The only petition in recorded history that has ever worked is the Declaration of Independence. And even then, there was a four year war <laughs> that came sure. after it. And the other one's like maybe like Bodie McBoatface, that one boat in England. <laughs> That's about it. And even that didn't work. They didn't name it Bodie McBoatface. They named one of like the little emergency life raft things Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> this, uh, this poor Mr. Yeah. Going through the timeline. Whew. But however, Max Kellerman, Matt Wenzel, uh, who covers Michigan State football for M Live? Sent this out statement from MSU: Athletes who are taking part in practices slash workouts can return or stay on campus this fall. It's almost like a faux bubble. Yeah, I mean that's the only way it was going to work, right? Hey. That's you know what. I mean, I think that was the plan all along, but to see that actually be put into motion, I mean, that, that's obviously going to help Michigan State. I think even Tucker alluded to that this team, this team needs to hit the weight room. It's very small, very tiny. But, I mean, now if you send all the students home, you have a faux bubble, mm-hmm. and, you st- and you keep all the players in case hall, you keep all the other kids off in – the uh the boonies in uh east neighborhood hey watch watch it i i'm a i'm an east neighborhood <laughs> lover i i'm harvard born and raised but let's not pretend that <laughs> what we had the experience there was normal shout out shout out to the quads and acres oh, you were real wood <laughs> loved them loved them great party scene great party scene at the quads and acres so how would it work if they were able to create, I mean, it's not going to happen, but if they were able to months ago create a faux bubble, how would that even, would that even, do you guys think that would work? No, there's too many. There's too many people there. Yeah. I mean, you're talking the NBA, the NBA can create a bubble in the NHL because there's like 25, 30 people a team mm-hmm. like college football. Shit. You're talking 200 people. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. What fifty five man roster? And then Thirty walk ons. I mean, you're talking, you're talking every type of of part person staff, like athletic trainers. You know. Yeah, I mean, you're I, talking I throw, I, water boys, water girls. I was trying to aquatic engineers. That's that's the better term. Aquatic to say. engineers, shoe salesmen. Right. You're talking. <laughs> you're talking. You're talking ninety <laughs> players. A coaching staff that can get up to at least 20 trainers, you know, equipment staff. And it's, I mean, the only way a bubble is going to work is if they don't go anywhere. Right. I mean, right. It's just, it straight up isn't going to happen. No. Like the NBA's whole, like, I think it's like what, maybe 300, 400, or like 380 to 400 people total. Yeah, like, and they're in their and own resort. Two or three Big Ten teams are that whole thing, so there's just no chance in how it happens. Yeah, I was watching Hard Knocks last week. I didn't even know it returned until someone mentioned it uh, on the timeline. And it was interesting kind of seeing the protocols that the Chargers and Rams have in place. All like all what they have to do to get things set up, I really don't see how a college 
one college team, let alone conferences and the whole power five could set up those type of protocols where you're getting daily testing. You're having all this new space created um, and not even the bubble, but you're able to put people in hotels and whatnot. It, it, I mean, it's very like I'm watching that. It makes me feel confident that the NFL that they're going to be okay. Um, at least for the most part, um, except maybe the dolphins. I don't think that's going to work just based on location. Yeah, the dolphins might have to the dolphins might have to move north a little bit I, in order for it in order for it to happen. But even even I don't think the NFL I don't think the NFL is long for the world anyway because a lot of owners are talking about having fans in the stadiums. Yeah. Yeah, 20% for the opener. Yeah, Jerry Jones wants 20%. Um the the Patriots announced today they're not having any fans in the stadiums for at least the first month. Other other teams have been coy about their plans for for stadium participation. I believe the NFL mandate is twenty, and then they leave it up to the individual clubs to to decide whether they want to go less less than that. But the NFL said the most you can do is twenty percent. Hmm. So again, ineffectual central leadership is going to lead to disaster. I think that's the one thing anyone can take away from this whole thing is if there's no, if there's no strong central leadership, it's just going to fall apart. And like I said yesterday, we're just going to be bumbling. We're just going to be bumbling and fucking around and just searching for our glasses in the dark. Like we're fucking Velma until there, until a vaccine comes out and until, and until the supply chain can produce enough vaccines for, for inoculation. That's just how, that's just how it's going to be. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I was talking to some hospitals earlier and I mean, they expect the vaccine to be approved soon. Then you get it or soon before the end of the year, then you're going to have some supplies in January. But I mean, think about it. They start producing a, a flu vaccine in March and then it comes out like end of August and they're going to try to do that with something in like two months. It's just, I mean, it's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think we're getting college football. I don't think we're getting Big Ten football till next fall. I don't know. That's, that's my I agree prediction. with that. But I do think March Madness will have fans in the stands. I do too. That's my bold prediction. I here's here's my thing, right? Is I I posted a blog about this yesterday, and I kind of did a clickbaity headline to make people think I was on the side of you know players and parents or whatever, but like I understand where the players are coming from. I really do. Right. If I was a player, I would, I would want to play. Right. But like I said, to think that adding more long-term health complications to football (laughs) is a wise decision, then you're, you're smoking crack. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. And I think the players, you know, need to look big picture here because if they, if Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields shifted from we're hell bent on playing this fall to we're not going to play until we get NIL, then that changes the conversation. This is the first time I think I, this is the first time I think in recorded history 
of college sports that the athletes are going to have this much leverage and they should exercise it. Absolutely. Especially, I mean, you're going to be missing out on a year full of college football revenue. And then, I mean, next fall they have to play football or a lot of these programs are just going to go under. Mm-hmm. So from now up until then, Colorado. you should have the key players coming out, like SD just said, and saying, well, the NIL that's supposed to come next year, I just don't know if it's going to be state by state or if the NCAA has to mandate it. I don't know how all that works. Florida is going – in typical Florida fashion, Florida is going whole hog, hell or high water, January 1. Yeah. And they're going to go – it's – every if, you, if you're an NCAA athlete in Florida, you have NIL rights. That's how it's going to be. Hmm. So I don't – you know, what is the NCAA going to do? Tell Florida to get fucked? They're <laughs> not going to say anything. Tell you know, I haven't tell, said anything since all these conferences started canceling and yeah, I mean, what the fuck? That's the other thing too, right? Again, ineffectual central, ineffective there's, central leadership. Where the fuck is Mark Emmert right now? There's no, there's no single governing body to put everybody on the same page, and that's the most damning thing about it. Is yeah, where where the fuck is Mark Emmert? Like, what is what has he been doing? Working like, on a bubble. For March Madness, that's what it sounds like. He, yeah, they're, he they're one quote last week. Football, they don't give a fuck about football, like I said in the pod last week, and they're just going to focus on trying to save March Madness to, to get that four or five billion dollars of revenue there. If I'm an antitrust lawyer, if I'm any antitrust lawyer, I am, I am on my hands and knees every night before I go to bed, praying to whatever deity that exists that I think exists that might exist that might not exist. Um, I think my other blog this week kind of proves that there is no, there is no higher power. Otherwise they would have stopped me from publishing it. (laughs) (laughs) That the NCAA tries to bubble, tries to bubble March madness without, without any type of compensation for the players. Because I mean that is that's like that's that's candy like that's taking that sh- that is that is shooting f- that's like fishing in a barrel using dynamite. I mean you're just you're guaranteed to win. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, if you had the NAL, you could bubble. So I don't know why the NCAA would be against coming out and saying, yep, we're going to accept this, yada, yada. Bada boom, bada bing, let's bubble. Get our little show horse on the road. I think, I think the problem with, the, with NIL is a lot of people see it as a step in an evolution that ends with players, that ends with, that ends with, schools having to pay players directly. So the thing is, if they never dip their toe in the water, they never have to jump in, right? It's that kind of logic. But eventually, someone's just going to fucking shove you into the pool. So, like, do you want to go in yourself or do you want to get fucking hip-checked into a into an eight-feet pool? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> 
So that's, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're at. We're all fucked. <laughs> we're all fucked. You know, that's just, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, play music. I'm going to get out my violin. I'm just going to go down with the ship, whatever. That's kind of yeah, where I'm, I'm at right now. No, I'm with you. Like at the beginning of all this, I was pretty optimistic. I'm like, yeah, maybe we'll get through this thing in a couple months. We'll get college football. Now it's like, oh, brother. And then, I mean, I log on to Twitter this morning. I see there's like huge music festivals going on in Wuhan. Like you got people in pools and no masks. There's love and life. You got New Zealand. They got rugby matches going on. Full stadiums. And we can't even have kids go to college. So if we just wore masks for eight weeks, you know. But that infringes upon my rights. Yeah, you know, I, oh my God, did you guys see? You know, uh, I, I want to, this is, oh man, God damn it, you got me all riled up. You know, if, if I refused, if I refused to enter my name into the draft because it infringed upon my rights, I would be called a fucking traitor and I would go to jail, right? But no, you know, wearing a mat, ooh, that's a personal choice and personal liberty, right? This isn't a personal choice. This is a collective effort, right? This is, this is September 12th. We're living, every morning we wake up is September 12th, 2001. Every single morning we wake up is September 12th, 2001. And nobody, and everyone just wants to go, like that's all anyone ever, nobody wants to go, okay, how, how do we fix this? No one wants to go, what's the next step, right? You know, yeah. fucking, and that, God damn it, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but George, George Bush is a fucking war criminal, all right? He's straight up fucking war criminal. Obama's a war criminal. Every president's a fucking war criminal. But at least George Bush went to ground zero and said, we're going to find a way through this. You know? And this fucking dickhead is just going to stand there and go, oh, well, it's a hoax for two months and then not wear a mask for another three months. It is what it is. <sighs> did, did you see the video of... I made the mistake of subscribing to Reddit slash public freakout. And uh, there's a video, this is about two, a week or two ago, of a lady. I think she had a foreign accent, but she was, you know, a, she's a Karen. She went up to this poor girl who was working at, it was like a Walmart. It wasn't a Walmart, but it was a supermarket. And the, the girl was telling her, you know, you can't wear, you got to wear a mask. The lady gave her a fucking flyer that was like, uh, I represent the RTBA, the Right to Breathe Association. We are a legal <laughs> organization. And we I can personally sue you for telling me to wear a mask. It's like, no, you can't. She's upholding like state or local law and she's doing her fucking job. But like, man, if I were in retail still and I saw and someone came up to me with that, handed me a letter saying we're gonna sue you for telling us to wear a mask, I'd laugh at them and tell them to get the fuck out. That's the other thing too, is like, I have a medical condition that prevents me from wearing a mask. So you have a medical condition where wearing a mask restricts your breathing 
And you want to go out in public during a respiratory virus pandemic. Do you see, do you see the disconnect there? Right. So you're just, you, you might as well just strap, you might as well just strap, strap a Vesta C4 onto you and run towards a cop. If you want to die, just do that. That's easier. If, like, if you say you say you can't breathe with, with a mask on, but yet when someone comes up to you in a store and, and asks you to politely wear a mask, you'll waste your breath and your energy screaming and yelling at them. That's just the ironic part of these people. Right. It's the same arguments they use for, well, how can you say you can't breathe if he's talking, right? Well, how can you have a how can you have a respiratory problem that prevents you from wearing a mask? Yet you can fucking get in these people's face and scream and scream at the top of your lungs at them, right? It just like this was, I we were all dipshits for thinking this was gonna be this was gonna go okay. We were all fucking dipshits. And, Young and naive. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is like in terms of a pandemic. This is like the first level of the pandemic. Like this isn't even like a bad one. Just imagine if this is something like a skin eating, a skin eating bacteria. Like, yeah, yeah. even a 2% mortality rate. Like (laughs) people, listen, I don't think we're going to learn our lesson from this. Uh, It's just (laughs) bad, bad. We get to fail. Yeah. It, you know, it's like watching Dave Warner's offense. That's what our country is right now. It's a bunch of jet sweeps to the short side. Just yeah, hoping to like get, find some open grass and just, no, we just keep backing up. Pretty soon, Rocky's going to be doing jet sweeps from our one-yard line. Well, it's already happened. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we're doing right now. Someone, okay. Um, shopper, crappy MSU Photoshopper, if you're listening, here's what I want. I don't know if you can Photoshop videos, but I want the I want video of the 2016 MSU U of M game. I want the two point conversion play where they try to do that speed option and Jabril Peppers picks it off. And he does that. Don't you got to include? Wait, never mind. That wasn't part of the play. Sorry. Go ahead. Here's what I here's what I want. I want who is quarterback? Was that O'Connor or was that? Yeah, I was think Brian Till's leg away. exploded. Okay, yeah. but that was okay. Was Brian was Lewerke do was Lewerke pitching that ball or did they bring Terry or O'Connor? Whatever, whoever the quarterback is, Lewerke. Lewerke. Okay, I want Lewerke labeled America. <laughs> I want the ball labeled a return to normal. No, I want the running back oh. labeled return to normal. I want the football labeled wearing a mask and I want peppers to be labeled dipshit conservatives. <laughs> so shopper, if you're verbal meme. shopper, if you're listening, I know you are. I want that meme. Put it in the, put it in my inbox. Let me see it. We'll tweet it from bacon wire. Uh, Full credit. So we're going to have Kevin Winnington on. He just visited East Lansing for the first time. 
with a couple of other New Jersey targets for Mel Tucker. And we're going to talk to him about his experience at East Lansing, the things he did, the things he got to do, uh, the things he got to see. And it's going to be fun, but it's always great talking to Kevin. Uh, Kevin's probably, Kevin's probably a great friend of the pod, the best friend of the pod. I think I'm going to call him. Him and Mitch, best friends of the pod. So before we get to that, though, I have a pitch room for you guys. So Spartan Dog 97, hit the Shark Tank music. Okay. So I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I love reading comic books. And I have ever since I was 11 years old. I went to go see the first Iron Man movie in Florida. Remember movie theaters? (laughs) And, uh... My uncle took me to a comic book store and he let me pick out any any comic book he wanted. He bought it for me. And I bought a I bought like the first the first issue of Civil War. The comic the comic book Civil War. And ever since then I've just been I've been in on comic books. And um, I don't do the weekly though I don't I don't go week by week just because it takes up a lot of room. And I can't, I don't have the space in, I don't have the space and places that are acceptable for me to store comic books for me to do that. So I usually wait for collected editions to come out. And I picked up a collected edition before I left for my trip that is absolutely blowing my mind right now. So uh, first, a little, a bit of a primer. Back when the MCU was in like full swing, like post Avengers, uh, the the comic properties that Marvel that Marvel Studios couldn't make movies for kind of fell apart. Uh, the Fantastic Four Fantastic Four went dormant, and X Men the X Men had two genocides in a row. <laughs> two mutant genocides in a row within four years. So both those series, both those comic lines were kind of lacking. They weren't really, nobody was really doing anything with them. They just kind of had B and C level writers kind of just banging out, just kind of banging out basic storylines. Once Disney bought Fox and got those rights back, they started to resurrect the they started to resurrect those those characters uh the new fantastic four line is terrific but that's not what i'm pitching you guys today i'm pitching you uh, i think this is fitting based on our conversation with darian harris i'm pitching you house of x and powers of x by jonathan hickman uh jonathan hickman is a nut a nut shit insane comic book writer. He did an absolutely batshit Avengers run. Uh, he's the one who married Storm and T'Challa. And then he did a he did a run on Fantastic Four about six years ago that based the whole concept of his arc was like, what if Reed Richards was just like a supervillain now? Like, what if he just, like, what if the logical end to genius, to super intelligence, is just evil? And Marvel handed him the keys and said, do whatever the fuck you want. 
and he came back with this 12 issue kind of mini series mini arc that just throws out the playbook of x-men canon and x-men canon is fucking confusing because it's all intertwined it's all canon they don't do any resets it, you know if you they you, they often reference shit that happened in one issue 20 years ago if you're not if if you didn't go in from issue one written by stan lee you're fucked you just you're lost and this takes it all away and says all right what if the mutants instead of trying to coexist with with a human society that was constantly trying to murder them and control them said, fuck you, we're out and went to live on the moon. Hmm. What would that look like? How would the politics of that be? And how would the rest of the world respond to that? And it's incredible. It's, it's off the wall. It's so inventive. It, make Cyclops who's always like this little bitch boy boy scout like I've kind of complained about and makes him a basically a zealot and it introduces all these all these different things and the nicest thing about it is they explain shit to you right mm. so they they'll make a reference to something that happened earlier in a run and then there will be two pages that were like here's what this means like they often talk about omega level mutants, right? And if you're thinking, what the fuck is an omega level mutant? They'll tell you. And it's, it's, the artwork is so good. The storyline is incredible. I really don't want to tell you anything more about it. I will, if you guys want to know more off air, I'll tell you, but it's, you know, it's, I, I highly recommend it. It's the most I've been engaged with a, with a comic book since the first time I picked up Watchmen. Oh, wow. Mm. So that's, that's high praise for me. I think Marvel has earned enough clout to get weird with it. And this is a necessary weird. It's just a different spin, but compared to Pete, how, you know, we've seen the fantastic four twice and they both sucked ass. Like the first run, reflecting on it after seeing that second reboot or that that reboot of it wasn't nearly as bad as what that piece of shit was um and that's the thing that i've been curious about is how is marvel i mean marvel is very rarely missed i think they've made like i think two or one really bad movie and you know a couple mids but I got to wonder, like, maybe they're thinking about this. I, I kind of wonder because, you know, they had no problem saying Mahershala Ali is Blade. I know that's just one person, you know. But, you know, they, they could have very easily said last summer at Comic-Con, Fantastic Four coming in three years. You know, I, I wonder if they're really, like, literally just wiping the board clean and saying, what can we do different with the Fantastic Four and – the X-Men and all these guys. And I, I really think that'd be the direction to go. It's time for Marvel to get a little different with things because Guardians of the Galaxy was a little, little different. I remember when that came out, people were like, what the fuck, a talking raccoon in a tree? 
And, yeah, voiced by Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper. What the fuck is going and, on right now? The, the Parks and Rec guy? The fuck yeah, and it's like the Parks best, one of the best Marvel movies ever made. And um, I think they've earned enough clout to, to try that. And I think it would succeed because we've seen them get strange in the past with Guardians. And that's kind of a litmus test. But I would really like to see this, like especially with Reed Richards being a supervillain. Like that kind of makes sense that a guy with his genius and with what he can accomplish would go that route. Like, you know, like the dark night, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain type of thing. They could spin it like that, but I got to hear more about this off air. I'm, I'm, that sounds fucking great. The, the thing, this, if they do it right, this, this self-contained story can be and should be the end for mutants into the MCU because the the whole plot of the miniseries I haven't finished it yet I'm almost done uh, hinges on a character we already know who is who has made appearances in the films that they take that they take this pre-existing character that has existed in comics canon for 50 years and has been in these X-Men movies and they twist it they twist this character to a point where they can they can do all kinds of crazy shit and you know it it brings up a lot of you know it brings up a lot of things that have kind of populated the X-Men canon for years, right? Like the X-Men have always been an allegory for civil rights, whether that be, you know, black people, whether that be the LGBTQ community, right? The X-Men have always had this, have always had this allegory, right? This underlying, underlying narrative going on, right? How could a government that pays that pays Steve Rogers to throw a shield around, right? And, you know, not die and be, you know, 130 years old and still be kicking ass. Also develop technology to hunt down these people who work alongside Steve Rogers. You know, that dichotomy of, well, these people do the same thing that you pay the Avengers to do. Why are you, why are you trying to hunt them down? And I think that, I think that's that interest. There's this interesting tension, you know, that populates all X-Men stories, but this one, especially because the X-Men just tell people to go, you know what? We are better than you. You know um, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if it's kind of like if Malcolm X had and Martin Luther King had teamed up, you know, that's right. kind of that, you know, that's always the, that's always the popular that's always the popular parallel to make with Charles Xavier and and Magneto is like well Xavier is Martin Luther King and Magneto is Malcolm X it's like well what if those guys teamed up and collectively gave humanity the finger and went to go start a and started a mutant language and went and lived on this living mutant colony on the moon and was just chilling I love it. I mean, I, the first thing that kind of came to my mind was that Kanye's power song where he's like screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. It's always kind of cool, like having like the super villain and just kind of seeing the dichotomy between them and the hero and 
essentially the hero becoming the villain, like uh, Lucas pointed out, and so did USD. So, I mean, that would be, I love things like that where they kind of just twist reality in a way that they just come up with this brand new idea. And like, it was kind of like Watchmen for me that it's just like a way different take on something that's already kind of a classic. So, I mean, I am all in on this. I want to see more. This needs to be in theaters as soon as possible. I mean, this, I'm all in on this. And thinking of Watchmen, you know, I just clicked, you know, like the part about Magneto and, and X just saying fuck you and living on the moon. That's obviously a reference to Dr. Manhattan saying, I'm tired of this world. I'm tired of these people mm-hmm. and going to live on Mars. Like that's a pretty, that might be a little nod to Watchmen. I'm sure, you know, almost everyone's inspired by Watchmen, at least what, at least for the most part. And while we're on the X-Men stuff, I'm predicting next year's Comic-Con is going to be pretty beefy with info. Maybe not Comic-Con because I forgot Marvel has sort of backed off of it since Disney owns them now. But like next July and August with like the D23 convention, I bet we're going to find out a lot about this shit. Like their plans for the next three, four years. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there were hint hints dropped even later this year in WandaVision because WandaVision's done. It's coming. It's it's coming in December. It's on Disney Plus in December. Oh, it is? Yeah. Um I know Falcon and Winter Soldier isn't coming this year, is it? Um they don't know. They have their they have four of the six episodes done. Oh. But COVID prevented them from doing the other two. So I don't know if they're going to – I don't know if they're going to be able to – wherever they shoot Atlanta, I'm assuming. I don't right. know if they're going to go back to Atlanta in time for them to finish the last two episodes, edit it, get it done, and finish it up and release release it the way they want to. Well, and I know that Mandalorian's still on track for October. Yeah, Mandalorian's done. Mandal- they're just holding Mandalorian. They're just – they're like, Mandalorian's coming out in October, and that's that. And I heard October 2nd is the uh, current premiere date. Like, someone leaked it. Yeah, now, I would, it could be wrong, but that makes sense. Yeah, and, you know, I I think part of the holdup with Falcon and Winter Soldier 2 is that there's supposed to be a lot of tie-in between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe... It's rumored that the mid credit sequence is the creation of U.S. Agent, who plays a who who's going to play a big role. He, you saw him in uh, in the little Super Bowl teaser they did. You saw Mm -hmm. footage of him. Uh, He's he's played by Wyatt Russell, who you may know as the son of Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Uh, Pretty decent actor. Yeah, he's in this batshit TV show on AMC called Lodge Forty Nine. It's 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 off the deep end. He was in uh, Twenty Two Jump Street. Yeah, yeah, he was he was, uh, he was Channing Tatum's buddy. Yeah, he was the yeah. football guy. <laughs> <laughs> Not a hockey guy, but close. Here's another visual meme for for shopper to for shopper to show up. That scene where they're both tripping and Jonah Hill's having a bad time and Channing Tatum's having a good time. Channing Tatum is the rest of the world and Jonah Hill is the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
Oh. So that's all we got. Uh, let's let's throw it to our interview with Kevin Wingington. Uh, like I said, Kevin just just got back from his first visit to East Lansing, and we're going to talk to him about how it went, the things he saw, the things he did, and what he thinks about the campus. So let's go to Kevin. All right, we now welcome on uh, Kevin Wingington. Kevin, how are you doing? Doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on. You know, you're you're a regular here. <laughs> uh, so you just got back from your first visit to East Lansing, and I think, you know, people want to know how it went. You know, what did you do? Yeah, so we flew in Saturday morning. Um, you know, got we got to East Lansing around 3. We went to Meats. You guys ever been there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Meats was really good. Um, and uh, we went from Meats, and then we went to uh, – just went to the hotel, got some food and stuff for the room, and kind of just hung out, watched the fights – um, UFC fight Saturday night and then uh, Saturday, Sunday morning that's when we had our tour so drove around campus got to see the business building the communications building uh, got to see the facility from the outside so just you know it's, it's a pretty much all glass so just looking on the inside of that and sure. walked around Spartan, uh, Spartan Stadium um, we walked around that in the morning uh, just like a workout and then uh, a part of the tour and seeing the statue so we really loved all of it. Um, you know, I talked with Ethan Boyd a good amount while I was there. And, uh, yeah, we really loved it while we were there. Sweet. Yeah, that's that's always great to hear, you know. Uh, like like we said, I think when we first interviewed you, you know, it's it, – you know, I wasn't sure that MSU was the school for me until I stepped foot on campus. So it's great to know that you had a – that you had a great experience. Uh, you know, what was um, – for someone who's not there, what was the – activity level on campus like like were there were there students already moved in walking around or was it kind of was it kind of empty yeah it was kind of empty but actually the hotel we were staying at there were a good amount of students and families there getting ready to move in um you know i actually got to go to case hall which is a freshman dorm and you know i i know a couple mm. of players that are from jersey that live there so i got to go inside there but Really, for the most part, there's not many people there that aren't student athletes. So, you know, I know football is there, girls basketball and volleyball is there. But um, other than that, there weren't many, many people. But uh, we went to El Azteco, Mexican place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, there were a lot of students there. So that, that looked like a kind of energetic place, too. But for the most part, walking around campus, there weren't too many people. Okay. Yeah, that all tired walking around. It's massive. <laughs> A no, I got a little tired. I would say it was. I actually got a good <laughs> nap in after that, but we did a we did a lot of walking. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a big yeah. campus. Yeah, I had I had classes across campus from where I lived, and I would come back and just I'm I'm out for forty five minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. just, like, so uh, you know, you uh, now that you've kind of been to East Lansing, you got the lay of the land. Uh, we were talking before we started recording, you know, you had to pump your own gas, which perplexes <laughs> me that that's still a thing in Jersey, that there's gas station <laughs> attendance. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what are you, what are you most looking forward to now that, now that you've kind of got the lay of the land a little bit? Um, definitely just, uh, I'm moving in in June. So moving in, moving in now is like, I'm very excited to do that. Cause I kind of, the whole point of visiting was just getting a feel for what we were really getting ourselves into. Um, 
so, you know, I kind of have a good, I can visualize it pretty well, what it's going to look like when I first get there, but really just getting to the facility and being able to go inside and work out. And really the biggest thing is just getting to play in Spartan stadium. So uh, that first time in September will be big and there'll probably be fans back for the first time. I think oh, yeah. when I go, yeah. so I bet it's going to be pretty loud in there. So definitely awesome. in Spartan stadium. Absolutely. Especially with the year off, not having, potentially any fans in the stands like I know like once we're in there it's, it's going to be loud hopefully it's a night game too yeah especially with a whole new staff too you know I think there's oh. like, yeah a lot of energy around it it's going to be crazy yeah yeah I know I'll be on I know you know our, our game day that first game's going to look going to look a little different uh you know you'll be we'll be up at the same time but the activities I'll be participating in will be dressed, <laughs> dressed. No, no stretching <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whole lot of tailgating yeah maybe oh, maybe yeah. maybe i'll stretch you know the the cornhole wrist you know maybe <laughs> it's loose so i don't so i don't freeze up Yep. then were, were any of the gates near the stadium open because sometimes i know that uh they don't lock all the gates and people are able to get in and kind of walk around the stadium a little bit were you able to do that no we weren't able to i wish but um you know actually we the morning when we woke up we we stayed at the marriott so we walked okay walk from the Marriott, walk to the stadium. And it was really cool just to see the, the um, you know, the scoreboard where it has the Cotton Bowl and the college playoff. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool for us to see. And then, uh, but, you know, I've seen a bunch of videos of what it looks like inside. So hopefully, you know, I come back in the spring and it's, we go inside and see what that looks like. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, Spartan Stadium, it's incredibly loud. Like, mm -hmm. I think, I mean, you compared to some of the other stadiums in the Big Ten, like, uh, down in Ann Arbor, they have their their little stadium, and I compare. It, I've been to games there, like Michigan, Michigan State. I compare it to the world's largest game of Silent Library. Like Sucks. that place is so like it's it's actually just quiet in there. The sound yeah. goes right out. But Spartan Stadium, like it's you can't even hear yourself. It's yeah, it's a huge the, advantage. From the videos I've seen, it kind of looks like uh, Ann Arbor, like the stadium up there, kind of like this, the sounds going out, and then yeah. like Michigan State is kind of coming in a little. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I can imagine it's much louder on the field. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. you're able to pack 110,000 people in there, but what good does 110,000 people do if it's dead? If you can, if it's dead silent during key plays, you know, it's it's yeah. like a big toilet bowl, big wide <laughs> toilet bowl, exactly, <laughs> with a bunch of turds. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, I kind of wanted to ask you, Kevin, about you know, I'm, I'm curious about this. I haven't, you said you flew, uh, what was, this is a little bit off topic, but like, what was flying like? Like, I haven't, I haven't flown obviously since this whole thing started, but like, what was that? What was the f experience of flying like? Yeah. So just a little background. We, um, March 11th, we came back from California. I went to go see USC and UCLA. And that was like the day before the NBA shut down, which really kind of started, you know, the whole shutdown of everything. Um, and on that plane ride, there was one guy wearing a mask and everyone's like, what are you wearing a mask for? And, but, um, this time around, uh, you know, seeing everybody wear a mask and at least the plane I was on, they're only letting two to a side. So it's not no more like three seaters. It's two to a side and there's like an empty middle row. Um, but it wasn't bad, you know, cause I guess Michigan's a kind of a short flight from Jersey. So we were only on there for about an hour, 20 minutes, but, um, it's not bad. yeah, it wasn't bad. And then, uh, 
you know, if you're eating food, you could take the mask off. But, you know, for the most part, I had it on the whole time. But I was asleep, so it went, it went quick. Yeah, you know, it for as as you know a fellow big guy like you know like like you it's it's always a blessing to not have the middle seat populated in, in that row it's it's all the worst thing ever is like this is such like a first class problem when you're like on a plane and you have like an aisle or like a or a window seat and you're like please nobody sit in the wind please nobody sit in the middle and someone comes up like 20 minutes before you're supposed to take off and sits right down in the middle it was funny though when we got to Detroit um we uh when we got to East Lansing actually we went to like a Target there and it had a bunch of Spartan gear all around the store but the the, the woman that worked there was wearing a Michigan shirt and I'm like I was just giving her that look I'm like what are you wearing but uh, for the most part really everywhere we went we saw a bunch of people just wearing Spartan stuff and you can tell a lot of people are excited about, you know, what's to come. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that was some of the, some of the bright spot in all of this was like, there's, you know, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is, is going to be the future of this program that we all love so dearly. And, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be a part of that. You know, so that's cool, you know, that we get to, you know, talk to you and the other recruits so much is like, you guys are actively building, building something that like, we're all going to be like excited about in the future. So like, that's, that's like awesome that we, you know, that, you know, this kind of started, the podcast kind of started as a joke between Lucas <laughs> and I, and like, now that we're, now that we're doing it and we get to talk to you and all this stuff, it's it's really awesome. So I'm glad to hear that you really enjoyed your visit to East Lansing. Yes, sir. Yeah. And kind of what are your thoughts on, cause I mean, since the last time we talked like big 10, they've postponed college football to the spring. Like what are your thoughts on potentially a spring season? Yeah. I think uh, Nick Saban said it best today. It's kind of like a spring season, like a JV season, but um, honestly, you know, I'm not too big of a fan of it. You know, I'll wait and see what the schedule looks like, but you're talking about doing two seasons in about eight months, you know, and especially for linemen, that's a lot on the body because you just, once the season ends, you know, I, we finished first week in November, I got injuries up until about Christmas, you know, just nagging stuff. But, um, you know, I'm hearing a lot of people are going to opt out, especially dudes that are first, second round grades. They're not going to even play. So, but definitely, I think it's big, you know, they have to play a season just so Mel Tucker and them could just get a feel for the current roster and, um, Mm -hmm. My thing is I'm trying to see – I know that a lot of people are trying to figure out what the eligibility thing is going to be like because, you know, a couple of dudes are opting out and then redshirting and all that stuff. But, you know, either way, you know, we're still locked in with Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, uh, I kind of wanted to ask you this. Uh, where, where, is, um, where is New Jersey at in terms of high school sports? Are you guys still all, all green light for fall? Yeah, well, it's still a green light, but um, it's looking like we're going to get a lot of schools doing remote only. So, like, you know, Zoom classes, but they're still going to have a season. Okay. So, yeah, I'm happy. I can't enroll early, but, uh, you know, I definitely want to play a fall season rather than a spring one. Yeah, I know that I know that in Michigan they've, they've postponed all fall sports to spring. So I was just kind of curious to, to where, you know, kind of New Jersey's at in relation to high school sports. But that's – that's interesting. I, you know, I will, uh, you know, that'll be something for you to at least look forward to, you know, now that 
you know, now that you've kind of got this visit out of the way that you can, hopefully you can finish your senior season. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. And I, I, yeah. And I also think another thing that's interesting is I think you kind of mentioned it like potential early enrollee. Like if you have a recruit who potentially, I know your future quarterback can't fay, um, he might be enrolling early. So I think that's an interesting thing if you had a spring season because you'd have a recruit in there who's able to kind of not be eligible but can still participate in mm-hmm. whatever activities and be a part of that game day experience. Like it's almost like a, I, it, it's hard to explain. It's like an internship almost where you're like in the fray but you're not playing. So you get like that ad, ad, um, added experience. So kind of what are your thoughts on that? I know you said you might not be uh, doing that or – yeah, so I actually talked with Hampton a couple of days ago, but um, it looks like the staff's trying to figure that out because that's like now you're talking about a numbers perspective of yeah they, they have a bunch of I think they signed three quarterbacks this past year, so like bringing in another dude is like it's, it might be a little bad timing, but um, you know I think I, I remember the Clemson had a national championship game and they had their early enrollees in there practicing with them leading up to the week of the game. So, you know, I think all of that's just, you know, added experience, which is only could help you. But, um, you know, hopefully, uh, like I know Ethan Boyd and uh, Tyson, they're probably all early enrolling. So, I mean, if they could if they could play, I mean, I know they're trying to see if they could let you play that season and mm-hmm. and the fall season and let that count as one year. That, that'd be huge, you know. So, Absolutely. Especially with a new staff, you know, that, that's all crucial stuff. Oh, for sure. But, you know, I do think, though um, – I don't see why the Big Ten can't have, can't have a season, but the SEC and all of them can, you know. But that, that's a whole that's a whole another thing. But uh, like Kevin Warren and his son being able to play, but you know, so it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay it out there. You know, I I don't see based on what we've seen from like students. I don't know if you saw this, Kevin, but like a couple hours ago. MSU was just like, if you live in the dorm, stay home. We're going all online. Yes, yeah, so I did. I did see that actually, um, which is which is another weird thing because it's like, I mean, how can the SEC ask their players to stay and play and but you know send all the students home because technically they're considered students too. You know that that was technically the, that's the whole thing about the pay. But um, I'm I'm curious to see. I wouldn't be surprised if the SEC and them kind of drop out after a few weeks, you know, but hopefully with the saliva testing, which is like faster results that could, that could, you know, speed things up. But uh, yeah. Yeah. And then what do you think of kind of guys like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields? Like they're going to be top three picks in the draft and they're really going all out to try to get a season and trying to like rally different players to kind of support getting a season any way possible. What are your thoughts on guys using their voice like that? Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's great. You know, even just them speaking out in general, you usually don't hear from athletes that much on, on topics. But, uh, I mean, in Justin Fields and, like, Trevor Lawrence's case, I wouldn't be too uh, – I mean, I love playing football, but they're, they're waiting on, you know, $20, 30000000 million in the, in the spring, and they're, they're, one, they're one play away from, you know, never playing again. So, yeah, there, there's a lot you got to take into account, but uh, – no, I'm I'm happy they're they're speaking out and even like the parents sending their messages to the Big Ten. Like I think that's all great. Um, you know, I'm wondering what that's gonna what that's gonna do in the long run. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think, I mean, we kind of alluded to this earlier. Like potentially, if 
if college players were allowed to be paid, whether it be the NIL, which is potentially coming into effect in 2021, you could create somewhat of a bubble environment. But like you said, there are technically you guys and guys on Michigan State and different schools, like they're technically student athletes. So they're the student first. You get colleges sending home students, but they want the athletes to stay. So yeah. that's where it kind of gets a little muddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully the Spurs – the right change that is long overdue and you guys your class and future ones will be able to benefit from that. Yeah. I think the thing with the pay is they've been trying to find like in recent years, every way to not pay the players. Like mm-hmm. I remember one of, one of their statements was like, they're too young to be handling the money. <laughs> How about you just let them uh, take the money once they graduate, you know? So there's, yep. there's easy ways to, to pay them, but you know, then now you're taking money out of their pocket and they don't like that. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. There's enough money. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and even if you hear like the schools talking about the money they're going to lose from a season, you know, I didn't even see like I didn't even think about those type of numbers. But you know, you easily could give a player the players like a a tenth of that, and you know, that's that's a lot of money to them. Absolutely. So, uh, Kevin, you didn't visit East Lansing alone. You visited with a couple other um, players who Mel Tucker is going after. You know, what, what, was the feeling, what was the feeling from them coming out, of, coming, out of this, coming out of this experience? Yeah, so they got in, um, just to elaborate, uh, Gino Vandemark and Audric Estime. They got in Friday morning, uh, and they left Sunday morning. And I got in Saturday afternoon, so we didn't really cross paths, but Saturday night um, after their visit, you know, we kind of talked for a while and just like how that was. So um, from what I've heard from them and what the staff has been hearing, you know, they, they loved every part of it and they did exactly what I did. And there was really, there's nothing to not like, you know, everything to love about it. So um, I think their biggest thing, like leading up to it, you know, they always, kind of me at first was, you know, they just want to see the campus before making a decision. You know, so you kind of get a feel of what you're getting into. But they, they sound uh, very positive about Michigan State and sounds like things could be uh, rolling in very soon. That's, that's, that's great to hear. You know, you, um, you've been very vocal um, about, you know, bringing other people in. And, you know, you've kind of been recruiting on the staff's behalf while they can't, is that something you are always going to do or is it like a circumstances thing? Um, I'll always do it. It's, it's, I mean, the circumstance is always kind of just like Gino. I talk with him cause he's an offensive line guy. So we're, we're going to be playing together. And then also they're from New Jersey. So like, I kind of understand where they're coming from. Um, for some, for some of it, we've been recruited by the same school, same people. Um, but also then it's just like, I'll get, I, I talk with a lot of people on the staff and, you know, a couple of them will just text me like, Hey, we're trying to talk to this guy, reach out to him for us, stuff like that. You know, and it's the conversations we have are real simple, just telling them why I liked MSU, the, the reason why I committed and all that. And, but everyone's loving Michigan state. I think this class in particular, they all are, we all look at the 2011, 2013, 2015 teams and like we could, we could be back there very soon, you know? So. Oh. oh, absolutely. I love that mentality. Yeah, I, I, that was that was so that just got me excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the glory days. I, I actually have those games taped on uh, my TV and I've seen them quite a amount of times in this quarantine. Did, did you have you watched the 2013 Michigan State Michigan game? No. Oh, my God, man. 
It's Watch it. I, I've seen the, the punt one. I've seen that one a few times. Oh, oh with the snap? <laughs> oh, we had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, watch yeah, 2013 no. Michigan State Michigan. It's it's quite it's it's a defensive masterpiece, and it's kind of the be it's kind of like MSU wasn't really ranked that well to start most of that year, and then that game game kind of put them on the the forefront of everyone's mind too, like with a performance like that. I'm not going to give it away, but it's it's truly incredible. <laughs> I I was there, and it's like the it's the best game I've ever been to in my life. Yeah, and, and for me, I love watching, um, like, the games when they're in Indianapolis. You know, even just, like, yeah. the environment of that, you know, sold out, all that, you know. Yeah. That's what I envision about playing at Michigan State is, you know, playing there, really. Oh, for yeah. sure. And, like, kind of what you said, like, we've talked to guys who've been on the team before. They were on those teams. Um, we've had classes with them. And what they always talk about is, like, kind of what you did. They always envision themselves playing in Indianapolis, beating Michigan, playing for championships here and there. And really what they said is kind of those, like the bonds that they have with their fellow teammates. That's really what spurs that development into an elite team. Like I asked, we had uh, Darian Harris on and I asked him, when do you kind of know that your team is going to be elite? And he said, it's during the off season when you're bonding with your teammates, like you're holding each other accountable Everyone's training, doing their things, learning the playbooks. So it's awesome that you and your uh, fellow recruits have that camaraderie already and kind of envisioning yourself winning those championships that we've come to expect at Michigan State. Like, Yeah, that was um, – I was meaning to – a couple of people have asked, you know, just about Rutgers and stuff and other schools. The thing I noticed most with Michigan State when they were recruiting me is just their uh, – you know, what they're trying to do is much different. Like, I feel Rutgers and Maryland, those were two schools that were, you know, recruiting me pretty hard at first. They're they're still trying to prove themselves in the Big Ten. You know, mm-hmm. they just got there. They're trying to earn their spot. Michigan State's been there. They've won three three titles in the past ten years. You know, they're trying to get back to, you know, the college playoff, like, you know, all that. So the, um, the mentality of, like, what they're trying to do each season is just much different. You know, there's a standard much higher at Michigan State than most schools. Oh, absolutely. Like you look at the past decade and I mean, Michigan State, they're in that top, top tier of programs that have really put their footprint on college football. So we're very much looking forward to you guys getting back there, hopefully soon. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, I, I envision hopefully uh, when Amani Bates and Max Christ, all of them come in, you know, have them win a Big Ten championship, also win a Big Ten championship. Hey, you, know? you guys are going to be there. I mean, but it's probably going to be the same time, you guys. You might be moving to the campus the same week as them. Yeah, no, I, I'm hearing good things about Imani reclassifying. You know, hopefully that's it's, it's pretty much a done deal. I he's he's pretty much said it without like directly saying, Kevin, I'm coming next year. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think the big thing for him was you know once they signed him, that got a lot of people looking at Michigan State, and you know now we see that. They're going to have all this other talent. He's like, I might as well come a year early. And is he won Gatorade Player of the Year as a sophomore? Like, what else do you really need to do? You know, that's, that's, that's pretty much all you need. Yeah, he won, a, he won a state title as a freshman and National Player of the Year as a sophomore. You know, it's just kind of, just kind of, you're done. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, He's uh, ready. Could, could be like 1999-2000 uh, when the football team was really good and won the Citrus Bowl. I think they won 10 games. And then obviously early 2000, Izzo wins his uh, national. 
national title. So I, I could really see if everything goes right, I really could. I'm, I'm excited for what's to come for both sports. Yeah, I know they were saying uh, Izzo has a couple more years, so, you know, one more <laughs> national championship runs there, you know, on the We can get a couple in there. Yeah, I'm hoping he's there all my years. <laughs> Two more. Oh. Two more. That, um, um, and then the, I kind of wanted to ask you about that. You know, when <clears throat> when you have other programs on on campus, you know, when of campuses, you know, that you're that are recruiting you, colleges that are recruiting you that are – that are that are successful or are building contenders is that is that part of does that factor into your decision at all it's like well there's this championship culture kind of permeates around campus or is that or is that something you don't really consider when you're when you're being recruited by schools yeah so actually um i just started playing football uh, like offensive line really my freshman year of high school and before that, I was a really serious basketball player, you know, so I played basketball my whole life. So really, when I first started getting recruited, I wanted to do a, uh, a um, I wanted to go to a school with a premier basketball program, you know, even from just being a fan, you know, I, I don't want to watch a team get smacked all the time, you know, so that was definitely it didn't it factored in, I would say, but, um, you know, definitely a championship culture at Michigan State. That, that's one thing that sticks out. Yeah, then like another thing I kind of want to gauge your take on is like, as you see, like some of the Michigan State football players are in the NFL now. Like you get Jack Conklin, who's one of the highest paid right tackles. You got uh, Le'Veon Bell, who's a Hall of Fame running back who just got the massive contract. And then Kirk Cousins, just to name like three. Does, does that play any role in your like in your decision that, hey, they, they've sent guys to the pros, even though it was a different staff. And these guys are making historic money like they're setting records. Yeah, so no, definitely that was that was a big part of it. So even I go to a prep school now. So the, the a year before I came, they had a kid in a similar position as me transfer in and get thirty offers. So that oh, was wow. so, so for me, you know, just seeing kids do that, um, you know, that tells me I could do this here. You know, if they did it, I could do it. So really, when Michigan State started recruiting me, my first thought was Jack Conklin. You know, mm-hmm. he, he started off as a walk on mm-hmm. and turned to, to the eighth overall pick. Um, you know, I'm not saying I'm better than he was coming in, but if he could do it as a walk-on at Michigan State, you know, I, I feel very good that, you know, if I work hard, I could do the same, if not better. But, um, absolutely, that, you know, oh, and even, sure. even with Coach Cap, he was a, he was a really big part of it, the line coach. Um, he has a really good resume of sending dudes to the league, probably the best out of all the schools recruiting me. So that was – He's incredible. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, it's like watching some of, like, his offensive lines, like, even Colorado, you look at last year, like, they had some – like, they went from a, a offensive line that was a liability to that was a huge net positive for that program. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Michigan State, like, we have some talent now, and then I've, I'm so excited for your class. I mean, you guys have some – like, you guys have some super talent coming in, including yourself. So, I'm – I think the offensive line is going to be a huge bonus moving forward with you guys, Coach Cap teaching you up. So that, that's definitely because we pride ourselves on being a, a football team and a football program that really can run the ball. Yeah, and you need to do that in the Big Ten. That's that's a big part of it. You know, that was you look back on that 2011, 2013, 2015 teams, they were able to run the ball well and yeah, a great running back. So that's something I could tell the staff made a big, uh, a big point of focus or point of emphasis on, you know, securing up the O-line in this class and then also getting a good running back. Yeah, because we haven't really been doing so well in the trenches the yeah. last couple of years, and 
I think you guys and what, what Coach Tucker and Coach Cap are bringing is – it might take time, but I, I really think especially with you guys coming in, it's going to be pretty awesome. I'm, I can't wait. Yeah, that, that was something I noticed when I was started getting recruited by them. I kind of did research and I was like seeing, you know, the O-line they had a bunch of injuries too lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just been throwing them off. And then um, my thing was with uh, Coach Antonio. he was a great coach, but he was getting up there in age. So you could tell their recruiting was getting smaller. You know, they weren't really going to Jersey as much, California. They were just, it's kind of like Michigan, Illinois. And it was like, that was kind of it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so – New we Jersey. definitely talked about it on here. Our, <laughs> thoughts, our thoughts on it, but it is what it is. I mean, I mean, we, we loved him, but, you know, it kind of felt like it was kind of time to move on and, and, you know, thank him for everything he's done. And I, the minute I heard Mel Tucker was coming, the breaking news from one of our guys, I, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't wait to see what was happening with, with him. Yeah. It was like an injection. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I know, Kevin, I don't know if you play like Call of Duty Warzone, but it's almost like you get like uh, the armor packs and you're just ready to go back in. Like you get the, like, that's what it felt like. Cause I mean, just the whole coaching search, like it was just such a roller coaster. Then when it culminated with Mel Tucker coming in, like it was just this infusion of life. And, and Mel Tucker, he's kind of, you know, just added on to him. His resume is really good. You know, he was an NFL defense coordinator for 10 years worked with Saban, Bama, Georgia, you know, that, that to recruits is big. You know, you want, you want a coach that's, you know, been around the block and he's got NFL connections that, you know, are going to help when you're getting ready to go to the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he built his staff. He built like, I know he has like coach cap and then he has like Scott Aligo, who's phenomenal. I'm a huge fan Aligo. of his. Like Alec, uh, how do you say it? Aligo. Aligo. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He, like, he's, he's real funny. You guys got to get him on here. I love Aligo. <laughs> We've been trying. We've been trying. We're we're gonna get him on. I know we will. Yeah, Yeah. he's funny. Yeah. So, uh, Kevin, just to kind of just to kind of wrap up here, uh, you know what? um, What is? You know what? What are you most? What are you most looking forward to? And future visits to East Lansing. Um, the food's one. The food's great in East Lansing. So always looking forward to that. But uh, I'll say from a recruiting standpoint, you know, I made an emphasis, at, like, you know, trying to get Jersey really involved with Michigan State. So, um, you know, while I was there, I talked with Makai Gabor a lot. And, uh, you know, it sounds like we're going to get, a, I would say, maybe three more Jersey dudes for sure in this class. And that's going to take us to – I guess four because we just had a kid leave, but um, you know that that's going to be big. And once we start winning and we play at Rutgers every year at Maryland, just seeing how uh, that's going to help us in recruiting. You know, I, I don't know if you remember Michigan going into Rutgers beating them seventy-eight nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, remember. That was, yeah. that was a big one. Uh, can't wait to eat more food spoken like a true offensive lineman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on and, you know, being a, being, uh, being a great voice for this recruiting class and the future of the program. And thanks for being a friend of Bacon Wire, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Look forward to being back on. Yeah, well, you're welcome back on literally any time. Uh, you know, guys, uh, that about does it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week. Fellas, go green. Go white.
Anything I'll try it. Say I'm on this top five list. On a major key. 